Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Before we begin, just a massive thank you to however you are listening to this. We really do appreciate your support. We record the podcast every Monday and if you do enjoy it, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host Ben James and I'm joined by Mark Orders and Simon Thomas to uh, discuss Wales's final game of the autumn campaign. Their final game of 2020 has not been the nicest of years but at least they ended it on a win. I think that's about as positive as we can get after sort of the year that we've had. Simon what, what did you make of it then? A 38-18 win over Italy. Probably early on it threatened to, to be another convincing win over Italy continuing that we started the year with a 42-0 win over the Italians. It threatened to go both ways, didn't it? Because they had two tries inside, I think, 17 or 18 minutes, 14-0 up, and they were flying. But then it really turned around, and sort of early in the second half, about 15 minutes on the clock, they were losing 18-17, you know? And you're thinking at that point, oh, this could get really fruity for, for Wayne Pivak and his coaching team, you know, because a loss was very much a possibility. And that would have put him in a very precarious position. It was a worrying time. But in fairness, they came They came good. Um, five tries in the end. When you consider the first five games this autumn, they produced just six tries. That is a step up. Um, and I think a lot of it, Mark would probably agree with me on this, a lot of it came down to an absolutely superb double act between Tulipa Thau and Chalatau and Justin Tipperick. They were at the heart of three of those tries. And it was fitting that the game should end with um, Faleto um, putting Tipperick in at the corner. They were two world-class players. Um, it's been great to think one of the big pluses this autumn is the gradual return to his, his best of Faleto. And alongside Tipperick today, they were just you know fantastic with ball in hand. And that was the biggest plus of the game for me. Yeah, yeah I thought they were, they were both outstanding. And Faleto, his return to form has, has been so encouraging for Pivak. But... I think that the old guard kind of made the difference um, today in George North. Um, I thought Jonathan Davis was quite solid in the centre as well. A um, couple of really good sort of defensive interventions out wide, albeit Italy scored that try um, early in the second half, but it was not on his wing. He previously made a couple of really good defensive interventions, and I thought North was quite solid too. Um, he did everything that was asked for him. Okay, you know, it may not have been that much fizz, but he, he ran good lines, he made the hard yards, he was solid in defence, contested the breakdown, scored a try. I, I thought he was I thought he was quite good, and um, the two back rows you mentioned, Simon, just terrific. Um, just as good as you could have wished, really. And Sam Warburton Warbert was rhapsodising about them later, saying, you know, it's phenomenal. And uh, being the modest guy he is, he said, you know, just uh, as good as I can remember two Wales back rowers playing over the last X number of years. And, the uh, the they, they, they were just terrific. Yeah, the highlight for me, Mark, was the first try very early on in the game. Because it was a lovely, mm. it was when um, you could see the Italians the way they were expecting the traditional ball out of the back from um, from Falato. And instead, he gave the like subtle short pass to Tipperick. And what, what I loved then was Tipperick had them 
you know, the coolness and the presence of mind. He was actually pointing Kieran Hardy where to go, what position to be in, before then throwing an outrageous dummy to draw, to take the fullback out of the game and then give the scoring pass. It was lovely. And and, and the last try was was also a real hire for me. Word for Keith Callum Sheedy in that last try. Beautifully delayed little pass to put um, Faletau away. And then you give the, the pass to Tipperick. And then the other one they were centrally involved in was, um, again, rolls reverse with Tipperick in the short pass to Faletau. And then as he kind of breaks the tackle to Stephen Varney, he gives the offload to, to um, Gareth Davis. And we know what Gareth can do from 35 yards out. And he did it. So from an attacking point of view, there were positives and pluses. We, Stephen Jones had talked about that in the week. But there, you have to say, particularly in the first half, there were negatives. And negative number one was the breakdown. Yeah, the, oh, every, every penalty was the Ben in the first half, I think. I've made a list of it, Mark, because I was doing the analysis as we went on. It makes grim reading, let me tell you. This is the, the, the tale of the tape in the first half in terms of the catalogue of errors. I'll read them out. First minute it started, Justin Tipperick, no clear release. Second minute, George North isolated and held on. Twelfth minute, Will Rowlands, the breakdown, didn't release the tackle player. And you move on then. Uh, Nicky Smith in from the side at 22 minutes. Callum Sheedy not rolling away after 27. Alan Jones done for holding on after half an hour. And then you move on again. Um, George North not coming off the ball after 31 minutes. And now 38 minutes... Josh Adams, hands on the ground before he pulled the ball back in, no clear release. And at that point, Wayne Barnes had had enough, fed up with it. Eighth turnover penalty conceded in the first half. Josh Adams took on for the team a cumulative yellow card. Now, that's a catalogue of horror, isn't it? In terms of breakdown offences, breakdown's been issued various times. I mean, whether it was a case... Of, what, do, what do you think, Ben? I mean, Mark, was it a case of them going too hard, competing more? Because in the second half, they, they, didn't, they didn't give those penalties away. What do you put that first time half malaise down? Because Brian O'Barney called it atrocious at halftime, and it's hard to argue with him. I think, yeah, I think they found the balance, didn't they, towards the end? Because I think at the end of the second half, they were actually getting quite a lot of turnover ball to, to attack off. You know, you think uh, Elliot D had that turnover for the lead George North strike. But um, yeah, it was just, I think it was just being too aggressive with things. I think maybe they should have looked at the sort of, I know they want to attack off transition ball, but they should have looked at Italy tonight and thought, well, if we if we just double up on tacklers and, and don't dictate the breakdown too much, Italy aren't really going to break us down. You know, you, you, could, you could easily just let Italy sort of go through the phases, double up on tacklers, big hits, hit them behind the game line. I just send them backwards most times and they're not going to do much against you. I think Wales were a little bit aggressive. I think George North, someone who, you know, it, it was a big game for him tonight, wasn't it? If you think about it, you know, playing 13, his spot on the wings no longer assured. So I, I guess he was trying to force things. But even so, I think the penalty against him was a little bit harsh. And that obviously led to the try, didn't it? Um, from that, Italy had a line out. Um, they, they got a sort of driving mall and then Carlo Canna put the grubber through. Josh Adams... Yellow card, I thought, was just just a bit needless from him, really. If you if you actually look at it, obviously Stephen Varney makes that seventy meter break, but when you look at Varney getting tackled, there's about six Welsh players around there, so I think he just felt he had to kill the ball when realistically he didn't have to. So that was that was the frustration. I think it's just decision making at the breakdown. Um, but as as sort of Pivak alluded to in his press conference, Wales 
with a lot of sort of facets of the game, they, they they took their foot off the gas after a good 20 minutes, but then they managed to sort of reassess where they were and, and sort of find things again for the last 30. I think particularly the breakdown and the defensive side of the breakdown was something that they did quite well in that regards. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you mentioned that George North try. I, I looked at that incident closely and so their late D was on it and Corey Hill was with them as well. It was like a combined effort and they won the turnover. Quick transfer then from Thomas Francis and Tipperick out to the backs. The, kind of, the thing we've been hearing from Stephen Jones that they want quick ball in space. And it was in terms of what we became used to with the Scarlets when Pivak and Stephen Jones were there, scores of transition, scores of turnover. We've waited like 12 minutes before the end of this campaign to see it, but that really is the, the template of what they used to do with the Scarlets. Get the ball wide quickly. I think it was Jonah Holmes made the break back inside to George North before the defence had reorganised. Try transition, try off turnover. What we expected, perhaps because that's what they're keen to get. Maybe in the first half in particular, there was a temptation to go too hard on the ball to try and get those turnovers. It is very Mark. It's difficult, isn't it? Because we know how important and how how dangerous teams can be on turnover ball. We've talked so much about the jackal and the new interpretations. But you've got to get the balance, haven't you? Well, they, they performed so poorly there against England. I can't think of many turnovers at all. I think Lee Halfpenny and Josh Adams won one, a joint turnover. Can't think of many others. So they were obviously a bit chastened and Pivak and Jonathan Humphreys must have told them, look, we need to win more turnover ball. They, they did have breakdown specialists in the side in Sam Parry and Nicky Smith. So that added to the sort of threat, but there wasn't that much composure and poise there. And hence you had this, this flow of penalties. The good thing is these things are fixable. That's, that's, that's something that, that, that can be fixed, but I guess a better team Wales may have been punished uh, far more than they were today. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Warburton, didn't he, always used to talk about picking the moment, picking mm. the breakdown to go in. You almost got the feel like Wales were, were attacking every single one in the first half. You, perhaps we're all to blame for this, and the media to a certain extent, because we've been talking about how the jackal is now the king. I wrote about it this week, and we, players in their, in their minds, when you read like what George Ford and you know um, Ben Yenzimi saying about you know it, it's almost um, a poison chalice to have the ball now because you can attack so much at the breakdown. So maybe players have got this into their mind that every breakdown now is a potential steal or a potential penalty. But there is that very fine line, isn't it? You've got to know when to go in for it. Although you would say it wasn't just penalties conceded with Wales attacking the ball defensively. There was quite a few of the penalties, as I listed there, were for um, holding on. So it tended to be mainly holding on or the, the key one of not, not releasing the player, no clear release. And it's that temptation. I think that's what uh, Josh Adams did for his yellow card. He made the tackle and without really having a proper clear release, arms beyond the player, touched the ground, coming back in. It, listen, it happens in a split second, doesn't it? And they've been told that the breakdown is everything. You can understand little mistakes being made, but those mistakes are costly. If you look at it, I think Sheedy's uh, offence led to a penalty. And then George North's uh, first offence, or second offence rather, kick to the corner, they score their try. So, you know, it's an we know it's the, it's the most important area in the game. And I guess this game, again, has shown that it's a work in progress for Wales. I think our colleague Matt Southcombe sort of spoke before the game, saying that if Wales started well and, and got early scores, then it could become a bit of a, a bloodbath. But what I think we've always seen with Wales, when they score early against Italy, 
is then the basics tend to go out the window and you start to think there's a big score to be chased. And I think that's probably the case with a lot of what Wales did maybe in this, in the middle of the match, the second quarter, the third quarter is I think they probably, they chased the breakdown defensively where they shouldn't have. So they, they thought there was turnovers where there weren't and that ended up giving away penalties. They probably looked to run a bit more where they shouldn't have, which probably resulted in holding penalties um, on attack. And uh, a lot of Welsh fans probably aren't going to be happy hearing this, but Callum Sheedy probably should have kicked more than he did. I think um, Wales probably, for, for large parts of sort of between the 20th and the 40th minute, Wales just weren't with any sort of semblance of territory. I know the line out wasn't functioning at all well again, but that was the sort of time where you just need your fly half to just start putting boot to ball. Because when they did put boot to ball, invariably they'd win the kicking battle. I think there was one where it was a fairly lengthy kicking battle, but then Chidi puts an up and under in. Ball bobbles, Falato takes it, offloads Tiprick, and suddenly Wales are within five metres of the Welsh line. We just probably yeah. didn't see enough of that when when sort of things went a little bit rough sort of before half-time and after half-time. I think Sheedy could have done with kicking a bit more and Wales could have just played a bit smarter. Yeah, I, I think with Sheedy, I think he was probably looking to impress. I think you're right as well. Um uh, you know, the golden rule is not to run bad ball. And the ball wasn't great at times. And he was running a crab in a cross field and um, shipping poor ball on, basically, which uh, any midfield, you know, that's cause for regret. Uh, and But what I enjoyed, he, he sort of stuck at it. And, you know, he, he did sort of, there were improvements in his game in the final quarter when Italy tired. Um but I think yeah, I think we've got to take into account as well, mind that Wales were missing a number of players today. So you know that's nowhere near their their strongest side. You'd probably say the halfbacks um, they they got different halfbacks to come in. You 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 know we we keep saying Ken Owens. It's the it's the usual tune really. Ken Owens, uh, Josh Navidi, Ross Moniati. These guys are all coming back. So. The side will be strengthened for the Six Nations. And um, Pivak has learned a fair bit about the players. He's learned that James Botham is really good in defence. And um, he's a try. I thought he was quite quiet today. He was, he was very good against England. <clears throat> but um, so I think Pivak would have learned a lot from this experience, despite the mixed bag of results. And um, I, I don't know if he'll be encouraged um, by the performance, but certainly it was a decent way to end. I'm Sam Walton. You're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. The other area, I guess, Mark, which has been a big talking point during the campaign is the set piece. I mean, we, 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 not much point talking about the scrums because there hardly were any during the game. But the line-out, I don't know what you thought of that. I, I, I viewed that as quite a mixed bag. Um, Sam Parry was given the chance, wasn't he? His first test start, Elliot D and Ryan Elias have had the opportunity before him. It was understandable if he'd been a bit nervous with his first throw and it looked it because he was he threw so far over the head of, of Justin Tipbrick. The prop at the time Italian prop who caught at the back couldn't believe it. So that wasn't a great start. You know, started as it's been going on badly. Um, but then it was the old warrior for me, Alan Wynne Jones, started to present a better picture at the line with two successive steals on a position ball. One of them led to the opening Welsh try. Um, the second Welsh try, actually, ironically enough, given the line-out issues this term, the second came from a line-out as well with Parry hitting Tipperick. There was one of their loss on the Welsh throw where the Italian... Uh, Second row managed to get up in front of Will Rowlands. 
Um, but second half, no losses in the own throw, and I made it that there were four Welsh steals off Italian line-out throw overall. So better for the line-out, but still, it's still an issue. You know, not as it's the things now. We we set our bar a bit low for the line-out, haven't we? So two losses, we're seeing almost that as a good day at the office. Yeah, I thought Parry was okay, aside from his wonky line-out throw. And, and as you say, it, it was only two, and world-class hookers have, have sometimes thrown uh, two awry during a game. I thought with Sam, I, I thought it wasn't fantastically convincing in some respects because some of the throws that actually found jumpers were a little bit wonky at times as well. But I, th- I thought he was quite good around the field. He's a strong player. Uh, he really adds ballast to that pack. And, um, he, uh, you know, we, we didn't see that. Usually for the Ospreys, he can he can be relied upon to come up with a couple of turnovers. Uh, he is a threat in that area. I think I think Will should persevere with him in some respect. Ken Owens will come back for the Six Nations. I'd like to see Sam Parry, even though he's twenty nine. I'd like to see him kept in the loop because I think he offers something different um, just with his power. But yeah, really. Honestly, Welsh rugby, at one point, I began to think, you know, is there anyone in Welsh rugby who can throw a ball straight? Um, I'm Sam Warburton, but, uh, and you're listening to the Welsh was, rugby podcast. And, yeah, that, 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 so it could have been a bit worse. Yeah, anyway, of course, Scott Baldwin has been flying for Harlequins with his set piece play, but we all know that there's, you know, it's well documented that he's not eligible. And I thought Sam did decently today. Um hmm. I think it, it, what was interesting, well, you were right, it, it did become, the ball was one, I mean, quite a lot of it, there was scrappy ball, wasn't there? There were two f- knockdowns, two flap downs, which always put the scrum up in difficulty. Seemed like Tipperick was the main target. He, he was he uh-huh. was going up in various positions in the line-out. You know, it's been a, it's been a, um, a fairly torrid campaign in the line-out, let's be honest. And I guess Ken Owens, or, or Keith Owens, as they called him on Amazon a couple of times, Keith, uh, his stock is uh, his stock was quite ironic and he was, he was in the ground doing S4C commentary. Um, yeah. His stock, I think, has risen. Um, but I think Parry can be quite pleased with himself, you know, overall. Did well for his try, burrowed over. He got an eye for the try line, doesn't he? And he also put a lot of stress on over the ball. I thought he, you know, he, he worked hard there and didn't give away any penny penalties there, as far as I can see. So yeah, he can be, he can, he can hold his head up high tonight. Well, given that it's his, it was his first start, and you could only imagine really the number of words that have been written in the media about the Welsh line-out. Ben did a, a sort of in-depth piece about it. We've all had a go, really. So you can imagine. Uh, what was running through his mind when when he was addressing those early lineouts, and I, I remember you know even even top class world class seasoned experienced hookers uh, are not always at ease in the lineouts. Indeed, Keith Wood, the former Ireland and Lions hooker, throughout his career he was plagued by lineout gremlins or gremlins that would surface at almost every lineout and. It reached a point where he, he even went to a psychologist and sort of said to him, well, what can I do? And the guy said, well, what, what you need to do, every line-out, you need to come up with a mantra in your head, uh, a positive thought. And um, Wood said it did improve, but, you know, still, it didn't sort it out completely. So, you know, I, like like we were saying last week, it's, it's something that you've got to get, you've got to put the 
hours in and you've got to become so proficient in practice situations and your technique so good that it'll hold you in good stead when the nerves set in during a test. Um, but yeah, you know, for, for the first start, I, I thought it was it was fine from, from Sam Parry. It's interesting, isn't it? Because there's been agendas set during the autumn because various things have gone wrong. You could often find during a campaign that it'll be one thing, the line-out or the scrum, but they've taken it in turns to be issues, haven't they? You know, line-out, scrum, breakdown. And if you remember how the whole campaign started, our focus after the France match was very much defensive flaws. Now, I think the defence, there's been improvements along the way in certain games, but again today... I was, it was a bit concerning for me, the ease with which those two Italian tries were scored, Mark. If you look at the first one, very basic stuff, line out, a rolling mall kind of moves into it midfield, out to Carlo Canna. He puts a grubber in, and his, co- his co-centers in for a try. There was don't quite know what happened there. I mean, you and Lloyd had obviously come on not that long before for the injured Liam Williams, but there was nobody sweeping. The back door was wide open and Italy exposed that. And then their second try, Wales kind of got outflanked on both flanks. First of all, um, I think it was Trula, the fullback, kept through inside uh, between Jonathan Davis um, and I think it was James Botham coming across. And when the ball it was shipped right, one long pass to the right wing and all of a sudden Lewis Sam, it was in no man's land facing a two on one ball was given to the flanker Lewis tried to get back couldn't scrag him and then he, he kind of bumped Johan Lloyd off to the line they, they wouldn't say soft try but it was a bit of a worry for me how easily yeah. Wales were skewered for those two tries what do you think? I think the first try was the problem is it's obviously they pushed the line out quite far in field so mm. Rhys Samet's defending on the blind side. He has to stick there. And normally with the way Wales defend, you'd pack the line and then you'd have the, the blind side winger sweep across and the fullback will come up onto the onto the far wing. So Yoan Lloyd, obviously Josh Adams is there as the as the far most defender out on this open side. Yoan Lloyd would normally sort of sweep across into the into the right wing spot and Rhys Samet would follow behind because Rhys Samet's so pinned on such a massive blind side there because they've dri- driven it in. Johan Lloyd effectively has to guess whether to cover a cross potential cross kick or, or sweep the, the backfield. And ultimately, you know, it's his, what's this, the guy's second cap. He, he's, he's guessed wrong. Um, and then for the, for the other try, you know, he, he's been bumped off, but um, you know, he's, he's a 19 year old kid who, who's taken a stinger early in the match. And he's, he's just gone a little bit high and probably a little bit across the body of, um, of the Italian, he kind of ran bracket. across him almost, didn't he? He did. He, he almost sort of, I don't know. He, he just he probably but, sort but, of. But with that first try, then with that first try, either of you here, what what in what in theory should Wales have done to defend that kick through? In your view, um, I think it's probably just there's got to be maybe it's, it's it's just maybe a call from I don't know Kieran Hardy or, or Reece Samet just telling Lloyd to sort of to stay and not not to sort of continue sweeping across the pitch because I, I think with Johan Lloyd, Lloyd's probably sweeping across the pitch expecting the cross kick thinking that there's cover sweeping behind him in, in Reece Samet or Kieran Hardy so he's just he's just drifted a bit wide expecting that option Pro- probably I wouldn't have much of a sort of second look at it but that, that would be my instinct on what's when I happened. looked at it it was, it was clever though Simon wasn't it the way they manipulated it they pushed the the mall in field and then so, you had Kieran yeah. Hardy and you had Zamet and I could see that Zamet 
Samet, if you look at the pictures again, Samet's in two minds. He's panicking a little bit. And um, and then, of course, you left them with uh, a kid uh, in Johan Lloyd who's got all the talent in the world as an attacker. But let's be honest, he's probably still learning the game at club level, let alone test level, to, to make drift. this call. He seemed to drift to the left of the posts a bit, didn't he? So it ended up with effectively no one in that channel where the, where the centre went through him. It's something to learn from, I guess, isn't it? Mm, for sure, yeah. But when you're right, Simon, I think, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, you could probably remember. Can you remember Steve Hansen saying that um, that that when when you're talking about the multiple problems and different problems Wales have faced in this campaign, I can recall Steve Hansen saying the thing is. You fix you if there's a problem. You spend the next few days working on it in training, and um, it's, it's he used the analogy of uh, cleaning a window. He said you 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 clean one part of the window, but then you f- you forget the other parts of the window, and so for the next game there may be a new problem. And so we've seen defence, we've seen the scrum, we've seen the lineouts, and it's sort of come full circle today with with defence again. It's, yeah. it's like when you chop the legs of a table, trying to make them level, and mm. you keep taking too much off one bit, and you and it ends up with no table at all. So <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. I, I think I think if if this autumn was designed to. Um, find a way forward in terms of the things that they like and the things that they don't like. They've probably got more to work on in things they don't like, haven't they? Or that have come out of it. Um, but, you know, I think overall, you've seen some new young players come through. Um, I think the attacking game was better today. But where it is, let's be honest about it. If you look at the Six Nations pecking order at the moment, um we're down in the bottom half, aren't we? Realistically, um, yeah. England, England and France, who contest the final on Sunday, they are some distance ahead. I think um, Ireland, Scotland. I watched today. Scotland were good in the first half, first thirty minutes of ball in hand, but then just gave away too many turnovers and too many penalties. And kind of Ireland's pick and go game got going. But we've seen with Ireland when they come up against t- teams who can match them physically, they don't have the other options. So. I think you've got England and France, Ireland below, then, I mean, then Scotland beat Wales. So really, we're just a, probably about fifth in the pecking order. We finished fifth in the Nations Cup. We'll probably go in as, I would imagine, fifth favourite to the bookies for the Six Nations. Um, it's a question of how much difference players coming back in can make and how much difference having had this time together can make. Because, I mean, overall, it's probably been a five out of ten autumn. Yeah, I think yeah. feasibly yeah. with Ireland, I think Ireland are on a very similar path to us in what they're trying to do. The only the only thing they have to fall back on is the fact that their set piece and their general physicality is just higher than us. So they can they can win the sort of matches where we're sort of struggling against Scotland and against ourselves. They can win those, but they're, they're still reverting not, to the pick and go, reverting to what they know. But they're still not far along in their game plan, just like we're still not far along in what Pivac wants to do. To um to really sort of benefit when they go up against the bigger teams. Um, the other thing which Pivak mentioned in his press conference, I guess we'll finish on this because we know we're a bit short of time. Is talking about the Six Nations and you know a lot of people asking whether we know what the best Wales fifteen is and who should be in the squad. Pivak insisted tonight that he knows what his best fifteen is, pretty much nailed on, and he's used the autumn as basically a way of just blood and youngsters, and and that's probably why problems have arisen is because the selection has just been so all over the shop. So do do we think 
from everything that's happened, you know, with all the youngsters coming through and building depth, where, where do we see Wales sort of hitting the hitting the straps in the Six Nations when you you, you imagine selection is going to be more consistent? What do you think, Mark? The, what in answer to your question, Simon, there will be an improvement when these guys come come back. I think what the, yeah, then when there is consistent selection there, there will be an upturn. But who and, do you um, see? Who do you see as walking back into the team, Mark? Well, Ken Owens will come back. Uh, yeah. Undoubtedly, if Josh Navidi is fit, he'll come back. Um, he'll See come back. Tipperick and Falatau. Yeah, and you know Ross Moriarty will be fit, and the back row being an attritional area, the guarantee is that one of those guys is is going to be injured again. Um, so you'd need four or five. I think Aaron Wainwright has made a, a mark off the bench. The uh, but the, 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 Wainwright came on tonight. Wainwright, yeah. Wainwright was really good yeah. today, dynamic. He was causing issues and stressing Italy at the breakdown. Yeah. Who, who's, um, who has emerged from this six, of this campaign, you know, presuming Alan Wynn's going to carry on? Who's, who has emerged as his second row starting partner for the Six Nations? It's Jake Ball. Jake Ball every day of the week, isn't it? Well, it's, it's, it's uh, Jake, 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 but they're different players entirely, aren't they? Clearly, Will Rowlands was brought into. To carry ball, he had, he had a go. He didn't. He didn't really enjoy much. Sort of. Yeah. Uh, he didn't get much change out of the Italian defence. At one point, I had a look at the stats. You know, he made one meter out of eight carries. But they brought Corey him into that. Like, for Corey Hill was dynamic when he came on. He, he... Yeah, yes, he he's and Corey Hill when when he played um, for and Gatlin off the bench. He he was a dynamic influence. Um, but yeah, Jake Ball. I, I, I guess if you're looking at performances throughout the autumn, uh, his display against Georgia was was outstanding. Uh, different kind of player. He hit so many rucks and um, clear outs, and he, he's an absolute grafter. So yeah, if if I were picking a wheel starting fifteen to play tomorrow, I'd uh, I'd probably have Jake Ball in number four. And would you have Francis and Ken Owens accompanied by whom? That's a difficult call because <laughs> how can how can you compare Nicky Smith uh, up against uh, the, the Italians and Wynne Jones up against England? So it's a difficult call. There's not a lot between either of them. Um, Probably Wynne Jones marginally. Maybe Wynne Jones is scrummaging. I thought Nicky Smith was quite good. I thought he started well. He set the tone with a couple of nice twisting carries. I thought I thought he uh, I thought he had a tidy game. He won a scrum penalty as well. Um, so that was that was a good performance by Nicky Smith. So there's not a lot between those two. Here's the big one though, and we haven't got a clue really, have we? Who's Wales's first choice scrum half in the Six Nations? I think Thomas Williams is going to be in with a very good shout come the start of the Six Nations. Yeah, think, yeah, he, he will be. He will be, Ben. Um, he's, he's got all the attacking gifts going, but he somehow they've, they've got to iron out his, his tendency to sort of um, experience glitches in defence. I think it was against Ireland. One or two tries were uh, perhaps down to his... Is, is sort of errors in defence against England there was an error but it's so frustrating because against England you know he, he showed his outstanding qualities in attack and um, that, that's where you need a test level the coach needs players he can absolutely rely on but Thomas Williams has got a huge amount to offer um, 
Garty has looked good at mine today, but it, it was a game that suited him against, he came on with Italy tiring. We all know he's got real pace. He looked keen. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a good call probably that uh, Thomas Williams will be, uh, he'll probably be near the front of the queue. I think the Christmas derbies will be big, won't they? Because you'll see Webb, Gareth Davis, Hardy, Thomas Williams, Lloyd Williams, all getting game time in those Christmas derbies. And, um, you know, it'd, it'd be interesting to see who comes out on top, you know. Um, I really don't know. You know, you, you've seen so much flux at three, at, at nine, haven't you, during the year that it's really impossible to call. So um, throw them up in the air and see what lands, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And they're not they're not helped by inconsistent displays as well. I mean, Reese Webb, superb for the Ospreys in one week, and the next week he's he's, he's down five out of ten performance. Um, but Reese has only started one match uh, in ten under Wayne Pivak. Yeah, he would have started uh, against Scotland originally, wouldn't he? Before he would, that game would have, yeah, game. he he would have, but yeah, he, it was postponed and. And it's very hard to call. The other one that's interesting now, and we've had the the added aspect put to it, is is the situation at thirteen. I think, I mean, Johnny Williams has been a big plus at twelve, and I think you know he'd be the front runner to start there come the start of the Six Nations. But what do we do now at thirteen if that's the case? Because George North, so much talk about George. Does he have you know? Is he going to be part of the future plans? He's you know dropped out of the twenty three altogether at one point. Went back to the Ospreys. Now he's come in and had a fine game at 13. Is that now his position, Mark? What do you think, Ben, as well? Um, well, Ben, do you want to have a, a shot? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I see him as a as a 13 per se. I think he's just going to be... So I think he he could very much end his test career as, as a sort of utility back, sort of floating between the two, where, wherever sort of he can get games, I think. I think I think wing now is looking like it's maybe slipping away from him in terms of Josh Adams and 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 Reece Samet. Um I think Wales will be banking everything on Jonathan Davis sort of finding his fitness and 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 his game in the same way that Falatau sort of has found his fitness throughout these six weeks. You know, you think back to how Falatau was being written off at the start of the autumn. I think they'll be hoping that Jonathan Davis does the same. And then I think it's just a case of you know where minutes can come for George North. I think he was good today. I think he did a lot in attack. I still don't know how he sort of cope against better attacks defensively at 13. What I, what I liked about uh, George North today, I, I thought he he took responsible responsibility. He looked a senior player, and Simon mentioned, you know, he he, he was he was trying to he was trying to advise Lewis Reesamet at one point. I certainly wouldn't write him off as a first choice player. Um, I think Pivot quite good today, Mark. So his passing was okay. George North had a good game. He was really uh, he he was sound in defence. I can't remember him missing a tackle. He did give away a, a couple of penalties at the breakdown, but um, he picked good angles. Yeah. I thought his distribu- nothing, his dis- distribution was nice at times. I think he put put Liam Williams on a nice hard angle at one point with a yeah. little tip on pass. I yeah, he, I so that, that was good. A decent game. Decent game. I think we just about. Covered it. I'm very wary of sort of the, the ticking clock at the top of our Zoom meeting. So um, I guess that's it then for, for an autumn campaign. Uh, this is the sort of final podcast of this autumn campaign. I'm sure we'll have a, a bigger podcast later in the week to debrief. So I guess just sort of ask you to sum up the autumn, if you can, in, in three words. Um, defeats, wins, glad it's over. That's more than three, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> a little bit more than three. 
Um, Mark? Different difficulties <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Another D? Uh, uh, relief, possibly. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what about you, Ben? Can you come up with three words? Questions, not answers, I think, isn't it? Oh, oh, you see, he'd thought about that before. He had that ready. He put us on the spot, put us on the spot, knowing we wouldn't be able to come up with it, so he'd look good at the end. There that is go. classic. Oh, and, on yeah. that, and on that rehearsal. Young generation, exit. sense of entitlement. Right? That's it for, for the Welsh Rugby Podcast, is where you can catch all the latest news on <laughs> Wales Online. <laughs>